Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, my brother, pastor, and friend, Eric Moran. How are we doing today, brother? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Mick? I'm all right, man. I'm not doing too bad. So today on the podcast, we'll be doing a part two to the um, topic of the 66 books and the 84 books of the canon of Scripture. With the findings of the Dead Sea Scrolls and other fragments in 1947, we have some scholars say that we can use these findings to help our understanding of Scripture. There are also some that say we have no need for them because of the canon being closed. Today we are going to let Pastor Eric share some insight and weigh in on this topic. I will be asking questions as they come come to me inside of Eric's presentation. Um, but last last time we were talking, we're going to pick up where we, le- where we left off last. You had come out of Jude and we had covered uh, first, first Enoch a little bit and how... It, that related back to Genesis 6 and also 1 through 11 with the the nations um, and all of all of those wonderful things and how it just beautifully opened up Scripture after you have spent some time in the uh, Apocrypha and become more familiar with it. It sort of opens up the parts of Scripture that some people don't know what to do with while others do know what to do with them, but it gives us a uh, a fuller and a more a deeper appreciation for scripture and what it's actually pointing out. <clears throat> so we're gonna go over that really fast. We're gonna kind of pick up where we left off a little bit because uh, Brother Eric didn't have enough time to build out First Peter. I think it is that he was gonna do. He kind of briefly went over it, but uh, we got into more of the application side of how that, why that matters, why that applies to us now. And uh, so, without further ado, we're gonna let you kind of brush us up and get us caught back up to speed so we can keep on trekking through, man. And like we were talking about before we came on air is this is kind of bleeding into more of a teaching than a holding the two things in tension, but the tension that we hope to do while we're teaching is how to flesh your faith out. Yeah. And the way you're going to do that isn't by what you do alone. And it's not going to be just by, a theory that you think about alone, right. you're going to have to think about who you are in the kingdom of God. So you're spiritually now alive, physically sent into this world mm-hmm. to be the incarnation of this life that you're starting to understand. And as we look at the scriptures and we start to bleed that together, uh, I, I want you to know that that's, that's really what we want you to be excited about. That's really what the invitation is yeah. about, Amen. is learning how to put those three in tension with the one relationship uh, of the kingdom. Yeah. All are equally important, and then the right relationship is to continue to chip and peck at questions and answers and to be able to fall in love, and love will change you. So last week we ended in thir- uh, First Peter 3. Yeah, First Peter three eighteen is the, the verse that we were tying together with Jude 5. But if you remember in Jude, we talked about the Exodus and how Jesus was the rock even back there and how the fulfillment of the Exodus is the Exodus that we are currently on, how the angels didn't stay in their own authority, their own positions of authority. This is uh, Jude 5 and 6. The angels, the Bnei Elohim, did not stay within their own positions of authority, and they incarnated. That was Genesis 6, like Mick was saying. 
And it's one of three things that the second temple Jew of Jesus's day would have pointed to mm-hmm. as far as what is going on. And that was the serpent usurped the federal headship of Adam. Yep. So the first Adam fell and all were born through that seed. Yep. And the seed of Adam became fallen, dead, spiritually separated from God. The God of this age was our father. He's a liar. We're a liar. And that's where we end up with Jacob. Yep. Um, moving forward, as far as just trying to catch up with the New Testament and deepen some of this theology that makes us excited about going and, and walking in through the Old Testament in a brand new way. Absolutely. Is that uh, the angels, the Benaohim that didn't stay in that natural authority would be Genesis 6. They left their proper dwelling. Those that were the original B'nai Elohim have been kept in eternal change under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. That was, you know, verse 7 in Jude. Mm-hmm. And then it, comparing that to Sodom and Gomorrah, which was about the prosperous ease and the arrogance of pride and the fact that they did indulge in whatever they wanted to sexually and mentally and, you know, entertainment based. And we were just seeing how that ultimately attaches to, to who we are and it makes it come to life. Yep. Uh, didn't catch too much in Jude as you fall down, but one that you may want to look at as far as there it is again is in Jude. Jude, Jude 14 says it was also about these Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all of the ungodly of the ungodly of their ungodly deeds and un godly way and the harsh things that the ungodly have spoken against him right so it's what they've said it's what they've done and the reason they've done it is because they weren't honoring and thanking him so it's irreverence the way they did it was very very you know dishonoring to god but enoch the seventh that would be the completion of the adams came prophesying behold the lord comes with ten thousands ten in the in in the hebrew was about government, thousands was an uncountable number, because the Lord comes to set up his government with the uncountable B'nai Elohim, they're going to execute judgment and convict all of the ungodly, those that don't have a right relationship of the things they did, of the things they said, and the fact that ultimately it was stealing the glory of God. It was the dishonoring of who God is that will eternally have to be answered for, paid for. Right, well, that's I, I would connect that back to that's a truth claim that Jesus makes where he says out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Well, that's where he's talking about there. It wasn't every, it was in the things that they did. It was in the things that they said. So it's, that's the, once again, that's the judging a, a tree by its fruit. That's I mean that he's, this works for both. It doesn't work for just us or someone else or anything like that. This is a truth claim. So it means that it applies to, I don't know, everybody. And you're going to have to change your identity. Right. And if you still think you are, this gets back to center and saint. This gets back to a lot of yeah, things yeah. we have put in tension. But if you continue to think that you are a sinner, you're going to continue to sound and act like one, right? Because that's in the core who you believe you are in your in your heart, right? Now, if you believe God has changed your heart, it right. is going to lead you to no longer conform to the patterns of this world because you've been sent as a sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship, to where right. your mind is looking for ways to then act and say, right who you are in the kingdom of God. Well, you would, with the identity that God's given you, you would be pressing into that, you'd be pressing into that identity, not trying to 
stand in your own understanding, basically. So you would be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So this is a new concept that you should be going after. Is that kind of basically what you're... That's what I hear when you say that. Alive in your spirit means that you now have a Holy Spirit because the spirit that you have is in right relationship with the Father and He is holy. Right. Now, I am holy and that makes you holy right. because of this free gift from me as a giver. Right. Now it costs everything. Right. And it's going to cost you everything. Right. So it's not consumer Christianity. It's not right. your best life now. It's that your life could be used in the best way now, which is right. good for what it was created for. Correct. And I am going to be God. You will never be alone. You were never created to be alone. It's not right. good for you to be alone. And you will receive new thoughts. You will receive new actions. You will find yourself saying things that you didn't realize you knew. You will have yourself having new conversations and thoughts that you never had before because your original identity is no longer dead, spiritually separated. Mm -hmm. It is now alive, always together and never forsaken. Yeah, well, I, 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 when I was reading this morning in First Corinthians 15, that's what Paul is basically saying. Paul's saying, I did more work work than them, but that doesn't really matter because it's God who did it inside of me so you see him basically saying like i am the worst among among all of them but then when he's when he does have any um basically bragging he's not boasting other than in the lord because he's giving all the glory to the lord he's not saying i didn't do this of my own will and my own um my own motives that you know god had you know jesus christ risen appeared to me knocked me off my horse and then completely and totally changed my life and changed my mind and when I went on to the mission field and began to to walk out uh, step out in faith what he had called me to do with that thought you yeah. have Luke 14 which is the cost of discipleship is underneath the, the you know the pericope right but Jesus says anyone that's going to come to me he has to learn to hate his own father his own mother his own wife his own children his own brothers and sisters and yes even his own life or else you cannot be my disciple or learner. Right. So what you were just saying, we're not left on our own, and it's not my own power. Well, you know, say Paul was teaching us that he left the identity of being his own. Right. Being alone. Yeah. Being a self. Right. We were never created for that. Right. When you fall in love with the true gospel, the true gospel is saying, now that you are home, mm -hmm. You'll never do anything on your own. Right. You'll never have that hiding place. You'll right. never have to hide. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to learn to hate where you still do. Right. Because the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things mm -hmm. that I, yeah. you know, and you, you end up with this struggle that you start to hate what was wrong in your heart to where you see that same thing in all of the people in your lives' hearts that are around you. Mm -hmm. And it starts to make your heart break and become dependent looking for answers because they certainly aren't here. Right. And then when you start to receive those answers, it's part of the evidence of your relationship to where you fall in love that God has started as author and perfecter, a, a live relationship. And you basically get to receive that. So in 27 in Luke 14, it says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So the first thing you have to do is deny yourself Mm -hmm. which is deny the lie that you were ever created to be a self. Right. Now that I get rid of this original identity in the depths of my heart, mm -hmm. my mind is no longer thinking of how I need to protect and provide for myself. Right. Because that was a lie. Mm -hmm. And now I look outside of 
being alone into the community of God is the protector and provider for me the same way as the birds and the flowers. Right. And the only reason I was anxious is because I was trying to do something that I needed to receive instead of earn. Right. When I earn it, I become entitled and I start to tell God what he should be doing yeah. because it's a wage. And that's over in Romans 4 or 5. I think it's 5. But either way, yeah. I mean, these, these, are, these are built out inside of Paul's theology and John Eanes' theology as they move forward. Because as we start to think about this thing that Christ has opened up, it, it, we, we fall in love with John and Paul. Inside of Jesus, though, he's saying you have to deny yourself and then realize your life is a sacrifice and you're mm -hmm. stretched out birth date. The you death know, date. Death date across the, the, the horizontal. Yeah. Yeah. And then looking unto God, sent down into the earth, mm -hmm. the vertical, mm -hmm. and you're the ball in the middle. Now, as soon as you deny yourself, you've been sent to be the middle. You've been yeah. sent to be on that cross. Right. He didn't say pick up Jesus' cross. Mm -mm. He didn't say you're Jesus. No. He said because of Jesus, you can now find yourself using everything that came before. Mm hmm for your ministry right now mm -hmm. and your ministry right now out of all the pain before gives you hope of being something while you've got time left right only because your continence is you're you're you're, you're consciously looking to the father mm -hmm. knowing that he will give you the words as you're going in the world right. knowing that he is the thing that matters and that's our home not here right and as you pour yourself out it becomes following in the footsteps of Christ to where then Paul yeah. says, imitate me the way I imitate him to where you now imitate the person, people that God gives you Yeah. to where then you can tell others to imitate you. Right. And that's why you're supposed to be above reproach, not so that you can be the pastor or right. not, not so that you can be something important in the church. There is no such thing as anything important in the church other than the kingdom of God, right. which is all of the people and the fact we all are the place mm -hmm. because of his presence. Mm -hmm. His presence is the Holy Spirit. The common denominator is your spirit is now melded inside of community in the spirit, mm -hmm. which makes it holy because it's connected to the Father. Right. Well, that's where you get back into the, like, just, you know, finish the C.S. Mm -hmm. Lewis book. And he was talking about, you know, you don't give part of yourself to Jesus. Jesus says, no, I want all of it. And the reason that he wants all of it is because he takes our entire past story he takes that, and while he is working in us and transforming us, we also have the ability to preach to those who are far off and preach to the or proclaim to those who are near. But that is the whole point. The point is, is he took my mess, and in my mess, he gave me a new heart. He gave me a new mind, and he's he's changed me. And as I'm changing, he's going to use where I came from for where I'm going because of all the people that I'm going to be in contact with. I'm just another member of the body preaching to the other members of the body who are supposed to be different. You don't have you don't have two left arms. You have a left and a right. They're both they're both important. Same thing with red blood cells, white blood cells. There is a purpose to everything inside of that. So yes, it's not this idea that we're all supposed to be the exact same. God uses us beautifully as we are independent and we are created individually by him for a purpose. And we have to lean into that. But the way that we do that is by operating in the purpose for which he created us, not what our idea of is what we should be doing inside of his creation, inside of his plan, and inside of his purpose. That's the whole point. You have to empty yourself for him to use you, for him to use all of you, the past, the you know, the present, the future, all those things. You have to it's just constantly have, having to empty yourself out and saying, 
Lord, show me what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing, how I'm supposed to be doing it, and what I, because we are bearing His name. We're not. It, it's not for our namesake anymore. We are reflections of the Son. We are conforming. You know, Romans eight is the will of God to conform into the image of Jesus Christ. That's that's the whole point. But we have to we have to lose ourselves inside of inside of the body and find out that the differences are what make us beautiful, though. Ezekiel 36 talks about the reason I'm doing this is to make my name known unto the other nation. Right. So we're still inside of the exodus of this is our God versus the gods of this world to be brought into the kingdom bearing his name and not take it in vain mm-hmm. is to fall in love with who you are because of what he's done and love change you. Ezekiel 36, after he says, this is me doing this, and the reason I picked you is because they'll know that I did it because you didn't, <laughs> and that makes you excited because, I mean, Absolutely. That, that I, I can live up to that end of it, yeah. and then anything I receive, I do with a thankful and content heart, and, yeah. and he makes me whole when I knew that I was empty, and he doesn't remove the struggle because the struggle allows me to see how real and beautiful it is over a period of time to where each step solidifies in my heart and mind to where I'm not having to memorize this verse or that argument. I am the argument. I am <laughs> yeah. the proof. I am I, the example. I, I am who I am. Right. And, and and I am that only because of the Holy Spirit through the saving work and obedience of Christ, but all for the Father's glory. And, and, and when that starts to take place, the rest of Ezekiel is, and when I ha- when I do that, I'll I'll handle your idolatry and 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 I will change your heart of stone to a heart of flesh and right. I will put my Holy Spirit within you and right. I will cause you to obey and to look unto me and mm-hmm. how is he going to do that because it's got to be love because if it's not love then you're not going to come to him so you're not going to be right. coming to him to receive it as when you fall in love and you start to receive that relationship it makes you want to know without the fear of having to know, but I have to know because I want to know more about this loving God. And, and, and it becomes something I get to do and the glory that I was created to be known and known by is then available. Um, and before we get to 318, did you have any, but I, mean, but I was, I was thinking there right there instead of, and I, this never happened. So I can't believe I'm going to get to do this really fast, but I would, when, when you were saying a second ago, I get to be in this relationship with this loving God, I would say as a believer, as a Christian, the thing should be, I get to learn more about my father and I get to look to him to do the things that he would have us do because I want to be like my dad. You know what I mean? In that sense, not in the sense of, I want to be like God. Don't get me like, I want to be God. Not that. But I want to display the character that he has shown to me, which he was patient, he was loving, he was merciful, he was all those things. So it's not just a loving God, but it's our Father, because that's who he's, that's what he's invited us into. And that, to me, it's a little bit different, because when you're looking at a different, you've pointed this out to me several different times, and you have said that, you're either, if you're doing things to not suffer the consequences, then you're viewing God as a judge. But if you're looking at him and basically saying, I want to be like my father because he has been so patient and kind and loving to me, that's a totally different motive. You're not doing it. 
You're not doing it to get out of consequences or punishment. You're doing it because you want your father to be proud of you in in that sense. I mean, to me that way, like I know that there's nothing we're going to do that will make him love us any more or any less. But at the same time, too, we still strive, you know, because everyone wants that loving acceptance from their from their father and inside of their fleshly relation, you know, you know, and and us being born and all those things, you want to make your parents proud. I mean, you don't want your parents to not love you and not like you. I mean, I didn't, I I guess I should just say that I wanted my parents to be proud of me. And here's, here's my challenge. And you said relationally. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying that inside of it relationally. And you said love of my father. Right. And then your heavenly father turns around and says, don't call anybody fleshly your father because you have one father and he's in heaven. Right. Luke 14 just said, you need to learn to hate the flesh because it is outside of right relationship. Right. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. wisdom yep. Those are pretty important. Mm-hmm. John of Romans 3 says that no one seeks him, no, not one. And right. it goes through, you know, lips being like poison of ass and, you know, yep. they're like graves and mm-hmm. all of this danger and death. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it says, because they did not have the fear of the Lord before their eyes. Right. Right. So the opposite of that is when I start to seek him and ask and knock, he promises to give me what I'm seeking if it's about his name and his mission. His name is, like you said, my heavenly father, mm-hmm. and I get to be in relationship with him. Right. However, when you look at the New Testament, it's easy to say, and he's my father, and he loves me, and I am good, and I'm going to heaven, so I'm just going to sit right here and wait on it. All right? Yeah, But that's true. Jesus would say, I came because my father is holy, mm-hmm. and the ungodly are going to hell. Yeah. And because of his holiness, it doesn't matter how good you are. Right. It matters who you are. Right. You can't cover yourself, mm-hmm. but he's made a way for you to be covered. Right. Never forgetting the holiness and the cost unto others right. is loving. Yeah. To fall in love with a father that you don't deserve mm-hmm. and is unfathomable mm-hmm. is, is loving. Yeah. Your conscious understanding of that is in the middle mm-hmm. because both are true. And the more you understand the truth of both, mm-hmm. the more you pull attention. Because if, if the mm-hmm. truth is, this is who I am, mm-hmm. and I'm in the middle trying to understand it, mm-hmm. but then the other side is pulling away mm-hmm. that, but things are worse the more you receive spiritual eyes. They're actually deeper than just the action taken. The one person shot affects 40 people around that one person right. when you look at the family and you look at the mother and you look at the father and you look at you look at the pain that that one on the surface hurt hurts right well that's the same in every one of our hearts when we are defining ourselves by the lie that we're alone mm-hmm. one thing makes you hide 40 things right to where you hide so many things that you don't even know the things anymore and mm-hmm. it's just disintegration right so the believer is integrated in falling in love with the truth that God says he loves me, and because he loved us first, I get to love him. Mm-hmm. And the most loving thing for me to do for both him and others is 
at the cost of myself offer my life unto the love of God and the mission of the world, which I mean, once again, is going to be, it's going to be the opposite of what it was before. I mean, it's going to be the flip side of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do agree with that, but to, to challenge what you said there, one of the beginnings I would say, and this is the beginning of wisdom and inside of fear of the Lord, you're not doing anything that God doesn't see you doing. You're not, you can't like, yes, you may think and rationalize and believe the lie that I can hide and go in my secret place and keep this from God, but you're not doing that. That would be, that's what I would say to start with. I'd be like, well, you can't hide from God. There is no secret place from God. And that is the proclamation. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it's a truth claim though. You have to do something with it. It's a truth claim that you proclaim. But then there's the counseling side of it, the Mm -hmm. same way the Holy Spirit is counseling you in Mm -hmm. that truth claim. Right. You then get to allow that to naturally be how you counsel others in that truth claim to where the truth is always being proclaimed unto those that don't have it. Right. And then the believers being agitated by the Holy Spirit in each one of us Mm -hmm. to be able to be on mission. Right. And equally to be able to fall deeper in love with a God that loves us more than we can fathom. And that's what that's all. So it's, it's still that tension of pulling both ways. Well, yeah. One is the truth claim unto those that don't know it. And the other one is the truth claim unto those that have it, that are learning what that relationship is. Right. Well, I mean, but I, and again, I'll go back to the beautiful story of the parable of the talents. You have the one, the, the one guy who had received the one talent, buried it, sat on it. And he said, I didn't do anything with it because you're a harsh judge. Once again, that's his, that's his understanding of who God is. That's how he sees God. He doesn't see God as a relational, loving father. He sees him as a harsh judge. So he was not Christian, and he goes to hell. He's torn apart, and he's put out with wailing and gnashing of teeth. But he could be sincere in his belief that he is a Christian. And he'd be sincerely wrong mm-hmm. because he's put out into the wailing and but, the gnashing of teeth. But that's the point that I'm making. Mm-hmm. The point that I'm right. making is, is it's how you view God. Yes. The, what you think about God is the most important thing about you is Tozer's frame, you know, famous quote. Yeah. Um, which would mean whatever you're watching or reading or thinking about instead of God says a lot about where you are in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a judgmental way. I'm just saying in a comparative way. Right. You should be able to start learning to compare what you do spend your time and affection on yeah. compared to the time and affection that you're giving to him. Right. And as he continues to reveal who he is, that ratio of love should it should be changing you. Well, yeah, and absolutely. So, like, one of the things that I'll notice is, like, and more things that I watch now, I am constantly throwing up the gospel in 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 light of it. Like, I, like I listen to the like Saturday when when football was on, we we watched the last two minutes of the Georgia Georgia Tech game. I totally forgot that it was on. I was reading, but we went and looked at it, and it just it blew my mind. You know, I was sitting there looking at all these people that were there, and it wasn't even like a packed house or anything like that. But I was just thinking, there's this is worship all the time, and people just, they don't even think anything about it. It's not even at the forefront of their mind. It's not even in the back of their mind. You know, it's just its just something that they do. It's where they find their identity or, or part of their identity because of the team that they don't even play for, that they're not, they're not receiving an education from, but yet they still support them with their money and their time and, and their... And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, how many people like that's the object of their affection, really, or one part of the object of their affection is a team that they're really never going to receive anything from other than the ability to claim that their team was 
national champion or winner of whatever toast you know toastita fast nascar bowl whatever whatever it may be and i think in when you're talking about that slow descent into uh that's that slow descent that if we're not if we're not bringing it to the forefront of our mind and we're not reminding ourselves who we are why we're here what we're supposed to be doing it's perfectly fine to watch football but if that becomes the thing that you look forward to more than anything else that is the that's the beginning of the slow descent you're you're buying into the lie instead of pressing into the truth into who god has saved you and and reborn you to be for the purpose that you were even saved and reborn you're totally missing missing the point and i just thought it was interesting because i don't i don't think a lot of people think about it i mean even talking to somebody this week they basically said well i don't think that you know this is this is too advanced or anything like this and da, da, da. And it's like but i've really only spent you know i've just spent a little bit more time thinking about things that you've just kind of i don't know maybe taken for granted or haven't been bothered to worry about or whatever it is it's not that it's so advanced because i'm not that bright of a person but they're just questions and it, it but it only comes from sitting in front of it long enough i mean so that's my encouragement like you will come up with really good questions if you continue to sit in front of it if you continue to preach the gospel to yourself if you continue to ask and seek because that's in that's that's more of you that's your what what do you say it's your heart is the Heart is the belief, and the mind is the the mind is the knowing. Is that what it? Trusting, yeah, trusting. Okay, that yeah. When you did said that this morning, I was like, yeah, I was like that that there it is. That's it. So I was encouraged. I was encouraged by that. But the more that you, the more that you put your entire being into the, I think you said on the last the last episode, all three of them in together. You know the, the the body, the psyche, and the spirit the more that you put all three of them together the more you really get the fullness of what god has done and provided for us inside of the invitation and it makes it more beautiful but we have to be doing it as well ephesians says that don't get drunk get drunk on the holy spirit basically yeah all right so you can physically drink to the point that you're not in control of your body right. and you're not able to think yeah it goes back to the person that says this is too hard. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to think about those things. Right. Okay. But the scripture is promising you that if you were to actually have the desire of your heart be to love God, that you would think on him so often that you would get to where you don't think about it anymore. It's who you are. And it naturally flows through the physical, the spiritual and the, the psyche, the mind. Right to where you're not having to argue with yourself. It's who you've settled in your heart that <laughs> right, you are. Right. Now, the scripture says that you can test yourself to see if you are where you say you are, because mm -hmm. all you have to do is look at your checkbook, look at yep. the time, look at the things that you actually do and say, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks and out of the heart, it proves what your treasure is. Now, right. with that said, when you start using words that you're not thinking about as bulldog nation, all right, so God has sent his son against the nations. Mm -hmm. You are claiming a nation of a fake God because you were created for a glory that you don't know how to fill, so you choose to fill it with the success or defeat of a football university mm -hmm. until you lose. Right. And then when you lose or you win, your affections and your emotions are actually 
up or down. <laughs> yeah. These are all signs that right. you are worshiping and serving because yeah, yeah. that's what you were created for. Mm-hmm. Now, eternity is stamped on your heart, and the only thing that's going to eternally be secure mm-hmm. is God in his way. Yeah, but amen. the opposite of that is it feels great to be a Bulldog fan this year and last year. Oh, yeah. But for 40 years before that, we sucked. I mean, three three plays, and it's like, oh, this is how we always play, and we're so garbage and everything. <laughs> But here's the yeah. thing. Right now, you're at your pinnacle. So instead of being in a valley and you feel like somebody's making fun of you, here you are, and you are the best in the land. And all I can tell you is you're going to lose. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually, You, you yeah. cannot sustain it because it is an empty right. God. Yeah. And you are putting your affection, mm-hmm. interest, mm-hmm. worship, and service oh, yeah. into something that is guaranteed to lose and fail you. And, I, and that has nothing that has to do with false gods. It has to do with anything that is getting your affection. Mm-hmm. It is costing the affection that could have eternally gone to the one that deserves it. Right. So you're stealing the glory of the one true God and you are giving it away and then telling everybody rudely how they're not the worshiper of this false pagan God that you are. Right. And, and, and I mean, I hate Alabama fans because they were so rude. You let them win one season, and they're the same exact way. And it's like, without thinking. So if I was to say, well, it sure is hard to think of how I would ever do that because I'm not going to. Right. All right? It's the same thing from the other side. Mm -hmm. If if they're in the life that they know and understand and have been integrated into, yeah. When you come and you propose something different, right. there's a struggle there. And I, and I understand that. I mean, that's, that's to be understood. Right. But at the core, there's, it, it's, all, it's all relative. Yeah. Subjective truth and objective. It's all relative as what you think about it. Right. But it's all objectively God's God. And there is no other. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes, so it goes into the, the thing that pops up in my mind, and then we'll get on to the, what we're supposed to actually be talking about. I'm sorry. Uh, but the thing that goes on my mind is, is that here you are serving, serving, worshiping this false God, you know, this false nation. Here you are doing that. And you think that you're going to get something in return, and you're really going to find out that you're not going to get anything in return, truly, other than thanks for the support to a very generalized, I mean, let's just say it's a Facebook post. It's like, Thanks, Dog Nation, for rooting, cheering us on, and da 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 da. Versus, versus doing things for God for a reward where rust and moth can actually not destroy them. Something that actually would have value, being able to pass down to your children instead of just saying we root for X Y Z team. I I think that the the cost is what I'm trying to put in front of in front of everyone is that the cost is like when you when you stack them against each other. One's worth it and one's not worth it. And the only way that you that I could say that you would think the other one is worth it is because it checks your boxes. All right, I'll I'll play your game and I'll build that out. <laughs> because it is it is about the cost. So just thinking about that, let's let's talk about the quality of the the position of the love of God or the love of something else other than God. Okay. Um let's see we worked a person attempting suicide, mm-hmm. taking pills, drank yep. liquor to, yep. you know, make sure that it, it, it they worked. Were. Yeah. The notes there. Counselor comes in from the police department, 
talking and then mm. in the conversation, this young kid, yeah, under 25, wow. looks up and says, but if the ambulance comes, how much is that going to cost? Mm. Okay, so in comparison, yeah, your life, which God gave you, yeah, to how much an ambulance is going to cost, yeah, and this one just trumped the importance and the reality of the eternal or mm. the temporary to where you're weighing, I don't know, your life <laughs> yeah. versus what an ambulance costs to, right. to ride in. It's a silly comparison. But he, in the grips of all the pain and the suffering, it has no answers. In the grips of being all alone, mm -hmm. the getting out of it for yourself yeah. is great. But even then, your eyes can only go as far as what it's going to cost you because it's still yourself when right. you think of getting help. So the quality, okay, so the, the quality of being a fan of a football team and the quality of the transforming power of loving and following God to be able to change you instead of you ride this for now mm -hmm. and then when it falls, the quality of your friends mm -hmm. Everybody's friends look at Bulldog Nation. Oh, we're great. How about you, brother? But um, hey, uh, I'm having a surgery tomorrow. Y'all coming? Yeah. No, 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 no. Nobody's no. coming. Why? Because they're only there because of their prideful love of this false god. They're right. not there where a god's saying you need to pour this into others, mm -hmm. and it terminates on. It stole from you. Right. It distracted. Right. And, and so your emotions and your feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah, we won today. Okay, and you're cutting people out, and now you're worried about losing the next game mm -hmm. versus having an answer to your real worry and your struggle mm -hmm. with the truth of God to where there is healing available in an eternal way compared to a temporary way. Right. Your time and your affections. You're spending your time keeping up with stats that do not matter because the only thing that matters next year is preseason. And Georgia's always number one in preseason. Yeah. But then the game's played, mm -hmm. and it's great for your attention to be distracted. But what is it being distracted from that actually matters? I don't know. Your eternal soul. Yeah. And, and you, fair point. It's not. It's, it's just a, it's, it's not a game to be played with. And when you read your Bible, it's not a book back there 2,000 years ago when it's the importance of knowing the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament when God makes his holiness known unto those that are being invited into a relationship. That's important. Yeah. When his grace is made known to realize there's a way that that holiness doesn't have to destroy you mm -hmm. that that's important yeah how does that apply to me eric and what does it matter that a man died on a cross two thousand years ago right that's what we need to talk about right but you have to have the attention span and the desire to want to do that or else you're never going to be able to understand it because you're actively choosing other things to worship and serve right then the one that has made a way mm -hmm. that you don't deserve by grace because he is holy. Right. He's tried to show you who he is. Right. He's tried to give you a way right. that you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And as that has been extended to you, you have repetitively 
turned away from, blasphemed the invitation of having your spirit become holy mm-hmm. because you love the unholy things. Their their works were wicked. Their works right. were dark. They wanted to stay where they are. And even as a believer, you have to struggle with giving up these things without being a believer. You're left alone. And I, I mean, that scares me and fills me with pity when you think of someone losing a loved one and not having a relationship with the Lord to be able to have hope to look forward to. Yeah. And it equally scares me for you to be miserable going to work every day because you hate your life, but you think the bulldogs are going to make it okay because you got something to talk about, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, what I was going to say was, so we'll like to connect this back to where we're supposed to be on track with, this is the same thing because that's probably the, that's the, I would relate them. I don't know. I don't want to say the word same, but that's a similar spirit to what we see in Genesis six. These are Elohim that were created that see that are in relationship with God, see him. They're in that, they're in that realm where they're allowed to see God. Then they desire something else. They go after it. They suffer the consequences, put in chains underneath. In in the abyss, they're put in chains. They're in chains, and what they immediately start to do is they call out to Enoch for the, him to come and petition God and say, "Yeah, we know we messed up. Can we get out?" And the answer was no. There was there wasn't there wasn't any sort of so with what they did, they were given something. They were given they were a part of the plan from the beginning, but they chose to do something different than what they were supposed to do. So they chose to operate in in evil, which is outside of the purpose for which you were created, for the function for which you were created. So because of that, they suffered the consequences. But fast forward a little bit further, you get to Legion, which is their their children, basically their offspring from these things. And what what is their thing when they come to Jesus? They say, it's not your time yet. It's not our time yet, is it? It's not time to be for our for our eternal place to be sealed. Put us into those pigs so we can go on doing about what we want to do because we know our time is short. So really what you're what you don't realize it unless someone puts it in front of you, but you're passing that on to your children through the false worship of a football, whatever it may be. You're passing that along whether you agree with it or not. In a sense you are. I mean, in a sense, it is a reality that we do need to be aware of, that our choices do have consequences and we will be responsible for them. But they're two totally different things if you're in the kingdom or not in the kingdom. They're they're two different things. I mean, they're, they're, they are different, but at the same time, it's the both and inside of that because it's us. I don't know if we're ever going to get to the subject that we started, but I will tell you this over in Romans 9. I understand. I understand. <laughs> Romans 9 talks about who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Yeah. Who are you, O oh man, to disrespectfully not pay attention to God? Mm. Who are you, O oh man, to dress up and paint yourself and go worship and scream to where you can't hear, but I'll just miss church because I'm tired from doing that? Yeah. O oh man. Where the molder say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make some lump one of the vessels, vessels for honorable use and the other for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, has made known his power because he's endured with a lot of patience over the vessels of wrath that are prepared for destruction? 
if you live your whole life chasing this world, mm-hmm. you are part of that kingdom. All right. Kingdom made up of many false nations. Mm-hmm. If you go back to, let's say, Genesis 1, and you say that God, the Most High, Yahweh, says, I have created you to worship and serve me. Yes. If you eat of this, you surely will die. Mm-hmm. And then somebody has to be the tempter. Yes. It is not a truth claim unless there is another truth claim. Correct. So as you get into Islamic writings and they go back and they're giving commentary on their, you know, the Arab tradition, they will go further and say that Shimi Hazar Azazel, the Satan figure that you know in the second temple, mm-hmm. was in the heavens, greatest creature, leader of worship and service. Yep. And he wanted to be like most high. If you want to build that out of Isaiah and Ezekiel, right. e- either way you have this, he is kicked out for pride. Because when God says, this is what you must do, the question had to be asked from someone, Mm -hmm. how can they know if they don't choose? Right. Be careful what you ask for, Mm -hmm. because that'll separate you from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm not bound down to them, and they'll be mine. Okay. Become the father of lies. Become the personification of evil. Mm-hmm. Go and be the tempter, the yeah. liar from the beginning, right? becoming their father, mm-hmm. the father of lies. Mm-hmm. And you have the temptation of a deity, and they knew that inside of their theology. And, and, but ultimately, you have these two truth claims by Elohims, the most high Elohim, and one that was great and superior to Adam and Eve in every way. Mm-hmm. And he said, you could be like us, and the temptation is not silliness, it is... Are you sure you understood the most high? Mm-hmm. You could be like us and you could do this. And he stroked their pride mm-hmm. to where they created doubt mm-hmm. instead of just not walking by sight, but walking by faith, not walking by your own. Don't lean on your own understanding. Not, right. not just saying God has said, therefore, that's my starting place. That's mm-hmm. my foundation. Yeah. Jesus Christ shows up and it says over in first Corinthians 15, that he's the last Adam. Yeah. And as you were born in the image of dust, death, mm-hmm. you can now be reborn in the image of life, mm-hmm. which is eternal. Yep. But your foundation has to be Christ. What yep. was Christ's foundation? I only do what my father says. I only look and mm-hmm. listen yep. for where I can be like him in the kingdom and mm-hmm. make that known unto others. Right. Well, what's your opinion? I don't have one. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to seek and save. Right. How are you going to do that? Telling you about the glory and the honor of my father through the powers and the whole, the power and the uh, invitation of the Holy spirit. But I'm here to die. Yeah. I'm here to lay my life down. Mm-hmm. Now, is that the life that you have fallen in love with inside of your Christian walk? Because that is the only gospel of the Christian walk. The way to begin with to be Christ like is where Christian comes from. It is all about the one true God, Yahweh, and Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, whom he sent. Yeah. But the Father is God, sending Jesus Christ the fullness of his image to leave that spiritual relationship, Philippians 2, to incarnate and take on flesh, which is the entering into the brokenness of the spirits that left that natural relationship, according to Jude 5, 
in Genesis 6 mm -hmm. to where he is reversing what they did for the Father's glory. Right. But if you don't know that Jesus did not talk to you on the cross, he talked to his Father. He was here for his Father's name, making it known to the second heavens, the spiritual realm, mm -hmm. by freeing people from the bondage and the weakness that they had created because that's why he was doing those authoritative miracles. Yes, the person that experienced the miracle got to praise what God did for him as an individual, but it was not done for the individual. It was done for the glory of the kingdom of God and all of those that would fall in love with yeah, what yeah, happened man. to that one person. Right. Because at some element, it's available to you because you can receive the same life and the same spirit because you receive a new name, mm -hmm. which is the Father's name, right. which is the one that took on the name, the Hashem, which is the word of the Lord in the Old Testament. Right. And then the word of the Lord in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God then incarnates, mm -hmm. leaving that equality with God the Father, pure spirit, and taking on flesh and lowering himself to where he says, my God and your God, my Father, your Father, right. we have been bridged into the kingdom for eternity inside of this full-orbed gospel, good news, this full-orbed story, this plan. Right. And if you just go to church and you think that's enough, it's not. If you just say, Jesus saved me, and, and I, I believe it in my mind, it's not enough. It, and and as I say that, that's in love. I mean, that that is the most loving thing you can hear is you are wasting, we, we are wasting time that was meant for us to be different. It was meant for us to trust him when it's our choice. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I mean by that is, comes out of first Enoch. Most commentators won't give him credit, but, you know, the rich man and Lazarus, right? The rich man and Lazarus is First Enoch chapter 22, if you want to go read it. It's the premise of what he is talking to the Jews of that day that totally understood the dynamics of that. But ultimately, he is saying, in the life that you're living, you are either getting your best life now, and if you are, mm -hmm. you are of the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. If you are living a struggling life now, struggling with God and others as Israel, then know it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. To, to, to be able to choose. At the end of that parable, what does he say? The rich man is like, oh, um, so if you let me go tell my five brothers, that way they don't end up here. Yeah. Meaning, hint, hint, you didn't give me enough information, God. If I right. go back and I raise from the dead, they'll surely understand. Oh, yeah, then they'll believe. And his answer is, no, if no. they don't believe Moses and the prophets, yeah, that would be your Old Testament. Yep. If you don't believe in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. which is the right relationship, right. and then the promise that he was going to do everything that he's done yep. if he was to split the skies and come back out of fear and protection and not want to go to hell i want to go to heaven you would worship him mm -hmm. and that is not good enough well yeah because it, but you're getting the the rich man's getting at the exact point basically what he's saying is is he's saying god what you've done inside of your design inside of your prophets inside of your law that you have given us it wasn't enough of a warning for me so let me be the miracle of your work to go back and save my brothers. And he's basically saying, so you're trying to say what I haven't done is good enough. Is that what you're Cause that's what it sounds like when you present it, when you said at that time to me, it almost sounded like he was saying what you did wasn't good enough. It didn't convince me enough 
to change my life right now. But now that it's too late, let me go back and let me warn them through the work. Give me the grace and the mercy now. And God's like, no, that's not how this, I, I, I made everything available to you. I, I, I opened the door and I basically said, return to me. This is, gave you the law. That's my character. That's me. And you said, no, nah, I'm good because you had everything here. You had the best life now. You got to eat at the nicest food. You sat at the best tables and you passed all the people that needed something that you, out of your abundance, could given, could have gave to that person. And then that would be doing what I want you, what, what my desire is anyway. And when we go back to, like you were saying about the nations, if you've read Unseen Realm, I encourage you to read Reversing Herman by Michael Heiser. It's really good. But it's interesting you talk about it now because Jesus is basically coming and he says of the Great Commission, go throughout into all the nations, you know, baptizing them and all that. He's reversing it. He's taking on the role that the sons of the sons of God originally were set up to rule different nations. Well, he's taking that and he's put it all on him and he's saying, Go do what these previous sons of God were supposed to do. Go be good. Go operate for the function which you were created, which is proclaiming the kingdom of God to the nations. Go do that because they failed to do that, and they sided with other people because they gave them their best life, and because of that, they gave them all of their worship, and they've bought into the lie, the pride of self. Would that be correct? Does that work? I guess is what I should say. To to a point, yes. <clears throat> the thing I would add, or you know, the thing that I would make sure is understood there is yeah, I was flying off the hip. I ho- I hope it worked. <laughs> the, in in the Second Temple Jewish mind, right? With like we were talking about before, the eighty four books, the Apocrypha is that it's there. If you understand that theology, what they understood was. Yes, the B'nai Elohim, they came down, they taught the Babylonians how to make war, how to make medicine, how to read the stars, how to make their women beautiful. Right. And, and, and they believed that the B'nai Elohim leaving their uh, natural relationship were good gods because of the strength that they gave them, which mm-hmm. is empowerment of self. Right. And then the one true God puts them in the abyss. Mm-hmm. When this is all written about, the flood comes to kill their children, which is part of their punishment, according to the Apocrypha. And then... The flood is eight persons, brand new government, three being perfect on the other side, and then it falls apart again. And you had the Tower of Babel. All right, so then God has given it all perfect Mm -hmm. and then had it usurped. Mm -hmm. And then part of his divine counsel goes rogue. And there's many of them, uh, you know, once again, first Enoch builds out that there's 200, there's 20 with groups of 10. So you have 200 that come down to Mount Hermon, according to the tradition of the culture, when Jesus walked the earth, they knew this story. They knew this tradition and Jesus is saying, okay. And 200 gods came down to give you 200 ways for you to fall in love with a lie, but I am the one way. I am the one door. I am the one that has been sent to lead you back to the Father's presence. So he did the same thing they did to open up the door for us to go unto there instead of them keeping uh, the, the rest of the population here being heaven and hell, or however you want to break that down. Right. Inside of that, when Jesus sends out 
after the Sermon on the Mount about going to the nations is the Great Commission is at, at 28 is the end of the book of Matthew. Mm-hmm. But in between there, he sends out the 70. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two by two right. to all the nations. And his message is go out and preach to all the nations the one story. Right. So at the Tower of Babel, all the people were one, mm-hmm. and we need to go down there because they built a temple, which was a residence of God, and they call God down, and God says, let us go down. And when they come down, he says, they can do anything when they have one language and one mind. Mm-hmm. We're going to go down and create confusion, and their language is going to become babble, mm-hmm. and everybody's going to have their own opinion. Mm-hmm. Jesus shows up the one way mm-hmm. to counter the 200 gods of the different way, right. and he says, no, I'm going to take the babble of all your opinions mm-hmm. and make you fall in love with the one true word, right? which is what he does with this microcosm of the 12, that, yeah. no, you're not only going to learn to like each other, you're, you're going to learn to yeah. love each other, and he takes people from different walks of life that naturally their opinion would have been hatred for that other type of person. And through that relationship, he shows them that their opinion was self right. and in the community of God is love. And he sets up this, this one way. Mm-hmm. With, with all of that said, like the parable with the rich man and Lazarus in that culture for you to be rich, he had to be a righteous Jew. Okay. So he was your perfect church goer mm-hmm. that drives a Cadillac and wears a suit to, to church <laughs> that right. doesn't, that doesn't actually care right. about people on Monday through Saturday. It just says he does. And he may believe what he says and be sincere in his thoughts, but right. his heart is not in love with God to lay his life down for others mm-hmm. in ways that he's looking for the opportunity to do. Right. But that's a sickness that he saw in a lot of people because he was saying, no, their lips are close to me, but their hearts are far from me. And wide is the way to destruction and many, many are on it. And it breaks my heart. And when Christ was here, you have to remember the Holy Spirit hasn't even been given yet. So no one could come, no, not one. Right. Hmm. That's, and but I mean we do like I don't know I guess my thing is is I see so much of it so much of it now and especially with it broken down the way that it's broken down you can really start to you really start to to understand what people are actually saying when they may not realize that they may not realize what they're saying it's like you're lining up so close with this with this lie that I've seen inside of scripture and you try to point it out to him, you really do, but I mean, I know for a fact I can't change anybody's heart, that God's the only one that does that, but I can set up, if, even if they're sincere in their beliefs, that's still a position, it's still a claim, so I have to set up, we have to bring the truth claim, the God's truth claim to to that for them to, for them to wrestle with it, but then it becomes striving with God right there inside of, inside of your own understanding, and then it turns out, when it turns back around, You'll come back to me, and then you're going to start to strive with me a little bit because it is opinion. I mean, it is we are interpreters and all those things, but once we get to a point where it's our opinions looking to the Word of God to be corrected to line to see where we line up with the truth, that that is where we need to be moving into. We need to be moving into the Bible is the the objective truth. That's what we need to be looking unto to see where we actually are. That's how we can test ourselves and really get inside of the discernment to see where our spirit, where our hearts are actually lined up with. Cause you use the word discernment and you 
just use the word. I can't, man. Anyway, over in Romans 12, it says to offer your life, the biological life as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable Mm -hmm. spiritual worship. Mm Mm-hmm. So that you'll no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to discern the good will of God. Yes. All right. Jesus always, and that was what it was, was you, you, you used the word to ask ourselves. Jesus always spoke how. Right. How did he, how did he teach? Oh, in like parables. Okay. He always would speak to others than his 12 in parables. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they didn't understand it, and they were like, hey, uh, Jesus, what was that about? He's like, look, <laughs> you don't know either. So then he would say, but the kingdom of heaven has been given unto you, so I'll explain it one-on-one. But when I speak to everyone, I speak in parables, which para is alongside, paramedic, parable, and a, a, a story. So it's a story that has a spiritual depth lesson that goes along with it. Okay. And when he is speaking in these parables, it's just as true today. If right. I tell you about the gospel in the story of my life and where we live, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to connect to it. Yeah. I'm not judging you. I'm not teaching you. I'm not your superior. I am literally telling you my story mm-hmm. inside the big story mm-hmm. about the story that we see all around us. Right. But now I don't live by the story I see all around us. I live by the big story of God because he's given me a new story mm-hmm. which is my mind which is being renewed. Yeah. But instead of leaning into this world, I'm leaning into the eternal world to where my identity starts to switch. Right. And when you look at the gospels, you can see this once you see the design one place the design starts to be the design and right. if god shows it to you in his like you said objective word the scriptures mm-hmm. you can start to apply that to your thinking where you're at in yep. the world that you live in yep because then you'll start to see how his design actually changes this world right and then we're on offense yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, then you've got something to offer to people all right so the the three gospels mm-hmm. that are synoptic mm-hmm. are Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Which one came out first? Mark. He knows these now. That's good. All right, so Mark, <laughs> but he's doing it great. And 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 I mean, even in today in church, he got to show out and everything. All right, so <laughs> once again, Mark Mark was first. It's yes. the shortest gospel. Yep. All right, and then the other two come out pretty much right around the same time. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between Matthew and Luke? Uh, Matthew is to the Jew and Luke is to the Gentile. So to know Matthew, you better know your Old Testament because yep. it's written to the Jewish people about the suffering servant of the gospel of Mark. The one that they were looking for. And then Mark is like your first presentation. Matthew uses the stories of Mark to go to the Jewish people with their Old Testament understanding. Okay. Mark is used by Luke to go to the Gentiles Mm -hmm. inside of history and O Theophilus. Here's reason and logic. Here's time. Here's how in the Greek culture, you're going to start to understand the philosophy of God and the teachings of God. Mm -hmm. And both are important because Luke is to the pagan world. Matthew is to the professing believing world. And it's bridging together the fact that it's all about the suffering servant that became the redeemer for the purpose of the Father's name to be made known and make a way unto him. Yes. And the reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Mm -hmm. if that's the Gospels, because John is written 60 years later. Yes. And it's because they turned it into a Gentile Jew thing, and he comes back and says, guys, a lot of things that we understood were imminent, apparently are taking a little time, and here we are. You've turned it into Jews versus Gentiles again, and that's not who he is. He's the Son of God. And 
and and right. and, and John is n- my favorite book, but it's different than the synoptics. Right. If I go to the synoptic gospels and I say that Mark was the first one to hit the the scene, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to put you in how important the literature leading up to this from Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Yeah, before the 400 years of silence. Right, before the Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, when we go back and we say, that was the end of the prophets. Yeah. No one else showed up and said, thus saith the Lord, right. until John the Baptist came with the spirit of Elijah in prophecy and says, yep. the Lamb of God is coming. Yep. All right. Before that, that's, that's why they call it 400 years of silence of a prophet speaking on God's behalf. Mm-hmm. It was the prophets. Yep. And the prophets were pointing to the Messiah. The Messiah, because of when we tried to do it here. Yeah. And lost the love of the Torah. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus shows up and says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill it. Came to fulfill it. So if I fulfill it and I become the door, if you were born after it, it's to draw you into it. Right. And if you were born before me, it's to draw you into this spiritual life. Right. But the fleshly is being pulled into the spiritual, mm-hmm. and the Old Testament is coming towards the new. Right. And then the New Testament Christian is being pulled back into the right relationship and how to live it out in their flesh. Right. And I'm the door that goes both ways, and you come in and out of pasture both directions. Right. Or else you are not in me, because if you're in me, you're going to have to lay down who you were and become who you're becoming right. on the opposite end. Right. All right, so Messianic Jews have to really fall in love with the Holy Spirit and God being their father instead of, through the relationship with the Son, instead of them being the chosen people and everybody else being out. Right. Now, we nobody was in as far as the Gentiles, mm-hmm. and we have to start to learn what it means to live and look like and be in the kingdom right. as one that's in. Right. When we start to do that, and I say, okay, so if Matthew starts, Mark, rather, Mark starts out with a certain bent. Mm-hmm. It starts out with, and it's a genre, in the beginning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, period. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning of the good news of what Jesus, the Messiah, mm-hmm. is going to do as the Son of Yahweh mm-hmm. is, as it was written in the prophets. <laughs> See, but in their culture, number one, they would start with the point, and then they would build out how that came to be. Yeah, it- can I say really fast because you were telling me this earlier and I just think it, it would help the mm-hmm. the listener like this is what what he's talking about right there is if you've ever watched a movie before and it's like a dude laying on concrete and he's just like I never thought that I would be here before but this is where we're at it's been a crazy 48 hours and then the camera stops all of a sudden and it goes 48 hours earlier that's basically like we've seen it in our culture what 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 he's talking about and that's what he's talking about right there he's basically saying you know the you know what the Old Testament was saying. You know what the Old Testament was hoping for. This is it to the original audience from the original author. They were a people that had been oppressed. They were the people of God looking for the fulfillment of His promises. Right. They were yearning for the good news that the Messiah was here from the prophecy. So when Mark pins out, "Hey, I'm going to tell you about this new genre." It's about the good news of Jesus Christ's birth through the, being the son of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. That was their attention. Yeah, they were like, oh, snap. Here's how you know. I'll quote some of your prophets that you've been waiting on their words. Behold, I'm going to send a messenger before your face and prepare your way. And he'll be crying out in the wilderness saying, prepare the way and make it straight for the Lord. And they're like, 
being, you know, both hands under their chin. And they're like, what? And, and then it's like, okay, so John the Baptist appeared. And these they're are people like, oh, that remember snap. this. I yeah. mean, they're still alive and they've seen the history, but he's tying the history of the world they live in to the prophets of everything that was said before inside of the culture that we know nothing about during, well, we can know, but during the Apocrypha. Right. And it's the fulfillment of drawing them into, and just like the spirit of the prophets, Jesus fulfilled it. Mm-hmm. Baptism for the forgiveness of sins by the blood is the fulfillment of the sacrificial system that was laid back in the, the Torah mm-hmm. that the prophet said would happen, mm-hmm. that take care of your fleshly sins. Mm-hmm. How? How did he do it? Well, he did it through baptism. <laughs> right. And John would baptize you into what was wrong with what you did and who you are in this world. Right. But Jesus is going to baptize you into a new identity in a spirit mm-hmm. and fire mm-hmm. that is going to then send you in this new mission, both flesh and spirit, into the world for his name. Mm-hmm. And you know how he did this? He did this by leaving his righteousness and right relationship in mm-hmm. the spirit, but coming out of the grave, taking on our death. Mm-hmm. But then the Father and the Holy Spirit filled him right back up. You should have seen it. I mean, the Father was like, this is my son, and this is my plan. And then the power of the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. You're like, yeah, yeah, my granddaddy told me about that. And, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah, that's what I was telling you. That's what I was telling you the other day. And then all of a sudden he comes out, and he's like, and then he disappeared. But he came out of the wilderness, and he had defeated the devil because just like the Red Sea in the Old Testament on the Exodus, as he calls his people out, he crushed the enemy because what the first Adam did, the second Adam didn't, the last Adam didn't fail. And he steps up for the first letters that Mark remembers being recorded. And he says, hey, guys, the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. All you have to do is repent and believe in me. Mm -hmm. And then he picked his 12. And they went on mission. And let me tell you the story, what happened. Yeah. And, and, and so they're drawn into this story. Now, where's that in our life? Yeah. We have to know the, the Old Testament Torah and prophecy mm-hmm. to be able to apply it to people in their life right now. Mm-hmm. How'd he do it? Man, let me tell you, he grabbed me as an apostle and then sent me. And I don't know how he changed me, but let me tell you, I used to be like this. And the prophets promised that. And then when I fell in love, this over here happened. And when we read our Bible, we should read it the same way. Now, that's what Matthew does. If you take, okay, so Matthew is written to the? Uh, the Jew. All right, so if you were a Jew, and mm-hmm. that was the story. Yeah. I mean, it's a good story. <laughs> but you know what Matthew's going to do? What? This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know that gospel of Jesus Christ where he's the son of Yahweh? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, he was the son of David all the way back to the son of Abraham. All right, yep. so now they're like, wait a minute, that's us. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's funny. And he's like, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and he was the father of Jacob. And you're like, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Snap. Yeah. That is us. But he's got this memorized. They've got this history memorized. I mean, this, oh, yeah. is, this is who they are. Just like when you read the genealogies or the list of a whole bunch of names and you don't care. Yeah. If your name was on it, you would have. Oh, yeah. If your family's name was yeah. on it, you would. You, you, if you signed up to be on the basketball team and you went to tryouts and you knew that they were going to post them on the wall. Yeah. You want to see that wall. Or it's like, it's like, it's like anyone in your, in your family who's like in the newspaper with their name. How many times do you share that? I mean, come on. It's a, it, it, it would be a big deal. You read that newspaper different than people that didn't have Heck their name yeah. in the newspaper. Heck yeah. So in this Bible is to treat, teach you that your name is in the kingdom and this is a kingdom story right. and to fall in love with the kingdom story that you're in mm-hmm. is one of the biggest disconnects when I was a young Christian because yeah. it seemed like a whole bunch of stuff back there and it seemed like a whole bunch of rules and it seemed like right. an idea 
but it didn't have life. And when it came to have life, it changed me because right. it's my story. Well, the difference is that happened back there versus this versus this applies to me now. It's an eternal story that I'm on the state. Right. Correct. So everything done before now matters because of what I do and what I do matters because of what's going to come after and what right. happened before mm -hmm. the angels want to look into my life and who would have ever thought that. Yeah, for real. And everyone that has gone before me is looking at me as a great cloud of witnesses, seeing what's going to happen in my life, moving forward. And all of a sudden I'm not just going to work and watching Netflix. I actually can have impact in an eternal plan and it's stamped in my heart to be filled with that. So he goes through the genealogy and the next thing he does, Fulfillment of prophecy. <laughs> he turns around and says, what? When Jesus was born, he's the new Moses. The yep. king killed all the two-year-olds and below. I wonder mm -hmm. what story that would... I think, I think he's talking about Moses, right? <laughs> he, he, but he fulfilled yeah. Moses, and yeah. he was born of a virgin coming out of Isaiah. Okay, that's, that's the prophet. So... Moses was the great prophet. And now Isaiah is a, is a prophet. And then the next thing he's talking about, the wise men coming out because of the fact that Daniel had left them to look for this star, which is the fulfillment of prophecy again. Yep. All right. And then once again, you got the fact that when he flies to Egypt, it's a direct quote of how my son will be called out of Egypt. And even though it's the son of Jesus Christ, he's embodying all of those that he's called out of the nation of Egypt, which is the Pharaoh, the power of the prince of the world to be called out by the power of the Holy Spirit by the finished work of the blood of the Son, which is the Red Sea, to crush the power of the enemy, which is why he was tempted. And then he steps up, and when he says, kingdom's here, I've already done it. All you got to do is believe it and come with me. Yeah. So now that you believe it, you have a life to live. I wonder where we'd find that. Oh, I bet you it's in the gospel. I think it's right here <laughs> is how you would do it. Well, how would you do it? You'd fall in love with being a disciple. By somebody said, please imitate me. And then when you started to grow, you'd grab somebody else and say, hey, you imitate me. Yeah. And it would organically grow because of something God is revealing to you that has now become true. Mm -hmm. And you no longer have to pursue this world. And, and when we got to the fight of Egypt, we ended up with the, the fulfillment of him killing all the children and how that goes through. And then we pick up with John the Baptist. Yep. The spirit of all prophecy came making the way, fulfilling the fifth gospel of Isaiah. And this is how he did it. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to First uh, Peter 3, which, I mean, we're going to run out of time now that we get started. But the First Peter 3, he's saying, hey, <laughs> you were saved by your baptism. Yeah. The problem is you don't understand what that means. Right. Because it's not about washing dirt off your body. Nope. It was about him choosing eight people. Mm -hmm. The number eight in their culture is the new beginnings. The, yeah, new beginnings. So in this thing that is, if you look at the shape of the ark, it's a coffin. <laughs> it's a square coffin. All right. Yeah. It goes through the judgmental waters, which mm -hmm. is death. Their waters were the spiritual, spiritual chaos. Darkness, yeah. So through the spiritual chaos that is coming to purge this world in the end, mm -hmm. he birthed new life to those that were in his name in their casket because there is new life on the other side. Amen. It is perfect, which is the three men that get off of it. Yep. And we'll see what happens next. I mean, I'm not that brilliant, but I'm just saying that he's <laughs> saying that's what saved you is the story of God. Right. You want to know how to be part of it, fall in love with it, and then share it. Mm -hmm. So then you know it and you're doing it to where it's not what goes in your body. That, that it's what's coming out of your body that Correct. defiles you. Yep. Well, what's coming out? Are you talking about the story of God? Yeah. Do you know the story of God? Yep. Do you want to know and be part of the story of God? That's and, a big one. As you start to fall in love with it, though, the love consumes you. And the next thing you know, you're doing things that you never thought you'd be invited into. Mm -hmm. We go to Luke. What is Luke going to start with? Hey, uh, Theophilus, let me try and explain this. Yeah. 
And then he goes into, I interviewed Mary and this is what she told me. And then I talked to so-and-so it would be like, we would do today. Yeah. But it better be both. Yep. You better not just take Mark and Luke and never learn the deep truth of Matthew. Right. Cause you're choosing not to. Yep. You may never say it, but you're choosing not to know the old Testament. You want to know why? Cause there's a God back there. That's not frou-frou pixie dust. I like Jesus because Jesus has saved me. You know, he's got he's got blonde hair and blue eyes, and he throws pixie dust. You see him at your mom's house every now and then, right? He's over yeah. there. He's got his hands like this, and he's he's white with flo- you know blonde he's always, flowing. He's always hair. so nice, and he's not judgmental. Yeah. And now, yeah. if you were to read the Old Testament, it says right. it doesn't say he's ugly, but he says there's nothing you would have liked looking at. Yeah, he was nothing special on the flesh because of how absolutely valuable and beautiful he was on the inside. And the question is, which one are you looking at? Which one do you want? Do you want the pretty Jesus that's a lie? Mm-hmm. Or do you want the hard Jesus that says, but I'll never leave you and I've already... Go ahead. Well, it, I was just going to say that what is basically being present there, presented there is that Jesus came and that his bio life wasn't anything that anyone was going to get their, you know, get them all hot and whatever, you know, excited about. Because what he was doing was directly related, related to the Zoe life, which is the spiritual life. It was something much more than just the physical world, the, you know, the, the first heavens, the, the physical earth that we're on now. It was much deeper than that. And if you were looking just for the, like Eric said, the, the, the frou-frou, you know, oh, he just, he looks so glorious and so wonderful and just all these things. Well, if you look in the Old Testament, wasn't that Saul? Wasn't Saul big and he was... Beautiful, good to look at, but he was an awful king. How many good-looking people do you know that you like knowing? I mean, there are some. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're an oddity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're few and far between. In my experience. Would, Would you rather have a beautiful lie or a hard truth? Hard truth. Would you rather live a life pretending like this is a good life, or would you rather just tell the truth that everything is a struggle, both inside and outside, but the struggle is what makes you have the right life. The but, right. but that's what it is, though. I mean, like, if you if you didn't have hard times, you couldn't appreciate the good times. I mean, I don't know how many times, like, there are plenty of times that you're struggling and through that, but think about how awesome it is to tell somebody else, you know, praise God that I got through that time in my life. You know, praise God that I grew through that, through the suffering and through all of those things. Praise God that I'm not the same anymore, that I'm different, you know, that, that I didn't let that situation crush me, but God used it to help mold me into who he created me to be, not who I thought I was. I mean, is that not beautiful? I mean, it's it's either beautiful to you or it's not. But the only reason that I could think that it wouldn't be beautiful to you is because it wars so hard with what you believe, and that's the lie that you believe right now, which is... Well, I'm awesome. I shouldn't have to go through anything. Why wouldn't God save me? And those are the things that we need to be used to speaking into as right. we talk to people because they are the universal disconnect. Well, yeah. I mean, because the first question that I ask people when they say, why wouldn't God save me? <laughs> the first question I ask is, why should God save you? <laughs> like, what, what, what about you is so awesome? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, everyone has had someone in their life that they've ran into, and after they got done talking to them, they walk away, and whether it be your husband, your wife, your friend, your sister, your brother, whatever it is, you kind of look over and be like, man, that guy's kind of full of himself, ain't he? God doesn't owe anyone salvation. It's pure grace. Absolutely. A lot lot of people believe that 
a loving God owes me. It's yeah, like, no. that's what I'm saying. I'm, that's what I wanted. That's what we need to be speaking into is what I was getting at. I that's that's your you. version of love. Yeah. The version of his love is you've already totally disrespected me. You do nothing but steal my honor and glory. You've exchanged the honor and glory for the truth, the, the right. lie, for the truth, because right. you worship and serve the creature instead mm-hmm. of the creator. Right. And I mean, your life is an example of that. Even after salvation, right. the battle is then finding out where they are and, and, and laying them down. Well, I was going to say, C.S. Lewis brings this up, and then I promise once I start reading this new book. He has I, to read somebody besides C.S. <laughs> Lewis, doesn't he, guys? <laughs> well, I referenced the divine conspiracy forever, so oh. so at least this time it's a different book. But I thought this was a really cool concept, and it goes right along with what we were talking about. But you know the saying, God is love, right? Yeah. Okay. He, C.S. Lewis builds out in there is that you're saying what what you're saying is actually backwards through your understanding and you breaking down the God is love thing. What you're actually saying is love is God. And I was like, wow, that's a really, that's really cool how you broke that down because now you're saying that this emotion is the thing that is the creator of all things. But that's not, that's not true. The truth is, is that God created love. We love because he first loved us. He is the author, the author and the arbiter of those things. So when you say what you're really saying is my view of love is God. That's what you're saying, which is a subjective truth claim. I mean, it, it, it you know, it's a subjective thing and it, 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 it lives and it dies with you. Nobody else. And it's loving to send people to hell. Yeah. Because the love of God is what's been usurped. Correct. And the people that love God that have been killed by those that are going to hell. Yes. Are by martyr's blood, Abel's yes. blood, crying out against yep. Cain yep. because it's the two brothers and the father. And ultimately, the love of God allows yep. vengeance to be his to those that lay their life down unto the yep. truth claim that I am God and I'll take care of that. And what's frustrating to people is, is that when they kill those people that are saying, no, God is God and he is worthy of all those things. So these people turn around and they go, no, that doesn't fit my view of God. So they kill those people. Then they celebrate that. Then God, all he does is raises up more people and sends them right back out again with the same message, with the same thing again. And they go, man, we just killed like six of these dudes who were saying this. And now here comes seven more who are saying it. So it frustrated them. And he was saying, no wonder that they hate the Christian message because it makes them wrestle with their truth claim and they can't stand it. And the only way that you can stop it is by silencing those people. But they believed it to the point that they gave up their life for it. So obviously it carries more weight than their subjective opinion. And that's and that's basically what it boils down to. What it boils down to is that the message of God's truth is stronger than your opinion or your view on it, no matter how much you like it. You're always going to have to contend with it because God is. I mean, he is. He's always presently going to be in reigning and above you and beyond you and more than you can understand or any of those things. You you can't get past it. And the people in the story that were martyred mm-hmm. put down their subjective opinion exactly. and, and fell in love with being part of the story of God. And God allowed them to be used to make that story available unto others that will fall in love and lay their opinion and their life down to be part of the story for those that come behind them. And God loves his children and is jealous for those that have actually been part of the kingdom. He is then defending his kingdom from kingdoms that have defended themselves from him. Yep. And then to say, oh, the enemy doesn't love us. You've chosen your side. Mm-hmm. 
you've lived your way. Yeah. Now here I am and I'm holy. Yeah. We didn't know. No, <laughs> I've sent my prophets yeah. and even my son. And then that yeah. gets into the parable with the vineyard, the vineyard yep. that sends the, the servants and then even his own son. Of course they won't kill his son. Right. Yes. Even you have now killed the son. Mm-hmm. the kingdom of man mm-hmm. versus the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And there is a battle going on in the spiritual realm. We don't wage war against flesh and blood. It's this powers and the principalities and the authorities in heavenly places. Mm-hmm. You want to know where to learn that? Um, right before Mark backwards. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and what do most Christians not know? And it's their old test. Uh, yeah. It's theology of mm-hmm. the one true God. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why it's not working. Well, here's why it's not working. You are a temple, and we are all being built into a temple of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you are still a temple because you were created in that image, Absolutely. and you are worshiping and serving something in the life that you're living, and you are all becoming whatever that is. Mm-hmm. If we want to keep on with a, we'll, we'll change it from Bulldog, but if we want to say, it's easier for him, the Tennessee Nation. Yeah. All right. Well, the Tennessee Volunteer Nation. Yep. Well, all of those people that worship that particular team and they do it in a spirit of unity against being in the spirit of unity of all the glory belongs to God, right? end up setting themselves up. But here's the thing. That's the many individuals in the one, right? right? Yep. Well, every individual is struggling with this story on the individual level. It's the large story, but it's happening inside of you. It's happening inside of me to where even when I do fall in love with the fact that I'm in the kingdom of God only because of his divine choice and work, I still have to continue to put down my opinion and my identity of a self and my railing against or killing the truth of God because I don't want to do it. And then I have to go through those circumstances, situations to right. them where I continue in my faithlessness to fall in love with his faithfulness. Amen. It, and it helps me remember who I was and connect to those who are playing that game on the outside. Right. But it doesn't go away. And that's where Paul's like, no, I do what I do not want to do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. Mm-hmm. And there's this inner struggle that's going on. However, there's no condemnation because of Christ. Right. It's what I put my mind on. Now, I can put my mind on the Spirit, and that'll lead to peace, and it'll lead to life, and I would stop killing the things that are good that have been sent to me by the Holy Spirit yep. to where I'm not quenching Him, or I can continue to put my mind, which is hostile to the Spirit of God and the things that He would have me do, mm-hmm. and I can't please Him while I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Fast forward over to 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, whether I'm in the body or out of the body, my aim is to please the Lord. Yep. The question is, are you growing in a desire to please and be more like the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. the story of God, mm-hmm. externally and internally, mm-hmm. because that's, where else are we going to go? That's the truth. <laughs> right. Well, that's what you're talking about is the, the, the meta struggle is going on in the micro, which is you individually, but you denying yourself what you think, that is the true sense of denying yourself the way that Christ said to deny yourself. It's not to, like you said before, it's not cutting yourself off from Starbucks. It's actually laying down what you think is true versus the the truth claim that God is making. So that that that's the difference inside of that. But it has to start with you first. But that's what, once you move past that and fall in love with the story, that's what connects you and gives the ability to be the mediator between 
between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. That's why you can go back and say, hey, look, I, I know where you're coming from. I was there. I totally was there. But God, when he gave me the new heart and he gave me a, a new mind and he's transformed me now, I can see how lost I was and how totally and utterly dependent upon him I am now, even to this day. And yeah, I mean, look, I, I hate that you're there. And I, if you want to get out of that, then come spend some time with me. But but while you spend time with me, I'm going to be on mission and doing the things that God has called me to do. And hopefully you see the beauty in that, that the person who spends time with the Christian, that they're walking in a way that is that is such that the one who isn't a non-believer will say, this guy just doesn't just talk about the things that he believes. He actually, I don't know, does them. Because you hit me with that so many times. That sounds great, Mick. But what <laughs> So I was like, Yes, because we should be doing it as much as we're talking about it. And if there's a disconnect, you need to ask, seek, and knock yeah. in prayer for God to show you where yep. and then pursue it. Yep. So the three elements, mind, body, and spirit, mm -hmm. the three Greek words for life are? The, well, Zoe, bio... And psyche. Okay, psyche life, your mind. mind yeah. Psychology. Yep. And then biology is the physical of yeah, carbon based creatures. Yep. Matter. And then the Zoe, which is the spiritual. Which is eternal and God. Yep. All right. So if I told you that that word is used in the Coney Greek in the New Testament two hundred <laughs> and <laughs> one times. Two hundred and one. Yep, two hundred and one times. 132 times at Zoe. Yep. And then I would drop down and Psyche, it's used 34 times. Mm. Bio, like yeah. lay your, there's no greater love than to lay your life down for a friend. And we think that's like, yeah, you need to die for your friend. Yeah, I'll totally right. get shot so you don't have to. That's definitely Psyche. It's laying down what you think is the greatest thing you could do for your friend because right. then you'd shut up with your opinion. <laughs> but... Bios, and, and that's for me too. That's not for everybody. I mean, I, that is for everybody. Yeah. That's, that's not excluding anyone. Yeah. Um, Bios out of 201 times is yep. used three. <laughs> three. Wow. So as you read your New Testament and you see something about your life and do this with life and lay down your life and this is the greatest, yeah. three times it has anything to do with what you think. Yeah. So you'd probably be. Well, not what you think because that would be psyche, but what you think it is being biological life. God's not even, he doesn't even really pay much attention to this silliness. This is death. Right. It's dead already. Yeah, it's dead. Your psyche life is you submitting in your consciousness and right. choosing to love. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to love, it'll change the words and the actions. Yep. But you have to choose to love the heart condition, which is the Zoe thing. Either you have spiritual life or you are spiritually dead and separated. Right. And that is the God thing. And that's. I mean, that's, that's, the old I mean, that, that, that's, that's the gospel thing is right. have you been reborn? Have you entered into that birth? Have you had the truth proclaimed to you to where you fell in love with it and you desire what you know that you don't have yet, but yet you're growing in what you know you don't have because that'll, that'll get you excited. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know we didn't talk about anything that we were supposed to really like, we kind of, but not really. 
So I guess he's probably still going to like put this one out. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we definitely did not do what we set out to do. Well, yeah, and I, that is that is very true. So I apologize for that. You're going to probably read the title and be like, this has nothing to do with the title of this one. Maybe I you mean, should change the title and just be like, mixed confusion. Why does it got to be my confusion? You started it. Oh, my. Okay, oh, well, fine. I'll make this one more point. I'll let Eric get to what we talked about doing. I, di- I did. I brought it <laughs> back. To, I brought it back to the thing we were talking about, and then you brought up another point. We did it together, okay? Okay. We did it we together. We did it together. We do nothing apart. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you do we that. We got good cop, bad cop going. Don't you do that. Okay. So what can we take away from this conversation to not tear at the seams of the bride, but build each other up as we grow in our relationship with God? I feel like we've been talking about the whole time, but I guess closing thoughts, Eric, what are your closing thoughts? The rabbit hole goes deep enough for you to never worry about running out of learning. Yes. Maybe we should just call this episode the rabbit hole. Call it whatever you want. Me to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he doesn't it's, care. It's a, uh... It's been fun. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope those that are, I mean, I guess if you're still listening right now, I thank you very much. (laughs) Because it's what I believe, and I'll stand behind all the theology we're talking about, but I know that it's probably different than the theology that you've heard up to this point. Absolutely. I promise the more that you pursue the Old Testament and the theology that Jesus was speaking into, you'll fall deeper in love in what we're talking about because it will absolutely make the New Testament say something that is relevant yeah. both to your inner man, your psyche life, outer man, which is this biological life that is full of death. Mm-hmm. And then once again, it will make God, God, mm-hmm. Jesus, the one that came obediently out of love for Yahweh and then died for the love of all of those that get to love his father and his God. And it's something that incorporates you to where you're part of the story. And it's not just a story that you read to get it away from Mm. the intellectual and into the spirit, the mind, or the glory of God. Yeah. That's good. Anything other than that is going to be tearing at the seams of the bride at some point. Yeah. I think it's just, it's all about, it's all about growing. And I hope that this, this episode is nothing more than this is a lot of a lot of what of our our conversations are and i think the coolest thing about it is is like you how you would bring something up and i would say well that's kind of like paul sort of hits on that in the new testament and then and inside of that it, it you get to see how the scripture is so interconnected and how it is the one story and how it does matter now it's not something far off it's something that we've been actually invited into that matters and can have impact and it can change, it will change not only you, but it changed the whole world. I mean, history has proven that, and that's that's what's so beautiful. I don't want it to be this sophisticated conversation that seems like it's too difficult. The reason that we, we've gotten to the to the depths that we have is because that's how deep the story is. It's not because of our, it's not because, well, partially because God has shown us, you know, and all those things, you know, we wouldn't be able to see it if God hadn't shown it to us. I can't say that. Um, it's not but, partially. Well, not partially. 
Man, I'm telling you. In the midst of God so, revealing all truth unto us in a friendship. I'm Go ahead, so mate. glad that this is being recorded so that someone <laughs> else can hear this. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's all it's all in love, man. And now I have to stall so I can get my computer to come back up. Um, but yeah, I I have actually this time this time it was a pleasure, Eric. I really <laughs> really enjoyed it. So we thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that you have taken away information that will help challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can join us on Patreon. It is patreon.com slash faithfleshedout. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at faithfleshedout. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email at faithfleshedout, faithfleshedout at gmail.com. That is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us. We love y'all. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. We gone. <laughs>